0: Tuning in to this Hillside talk. These talks are recorded live at our Hillside gatherings here in Las Vegas. We hope you enjoy this month's talk.
1: Well, we're glad you're here, and uh, it's time to talk about sex. If you think this I is, I off-
2: talk about John Christ, He's coming to town, y'all. If you like that, he's actually coming. Is anybody coming, to town.
1: coming? Is anybody coming to the? Okay, you got some yeah. tickets. Very cool. Yeah. We're going to go as well. But like I said, we have to talk about sex. And if you think this is,
2: no, if- we could just talk about John Christ. <laughs>
1: If you think it's awkward for you, imagine what it is to be up here. So today is going to be, we're going to talk specifically about, um, welcome to Hillside, by the way, I'm Pastor Josh, this is Heather, we're glad you're here, Um, and every single month we take a hot topic and discuss it, as already was mentioned. Tonight we're going to talk about specifically um, the truth about, or a biblical perspective of sex, love, and dating, and this will be very applicable, I'm sure, for each and every one of you. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Do you have anything to say in the intro?
2: I don't think so. I didn't. I was not told to prepare an intro, so I did not prepare an intro.
1: Do you want to sing anything? Do you want to sing? They don't want me to sing. No, you don't no. want me to sing, <laughs> trust me. So we've been married for how many years? I have no idea either, actually. It
2: was 2001, so that's 18.
1: Eight, uh, this June it'll be 18. This June will be 18 years. Yeah. And how you doing so far with this?
2: I think I'm keeping you.
1: Okay, all right. So that's good. All right, so so far we're doing okay. You're laughing way too much, Jade, up here. Oh, I can't even see. Oh, it wasn't Jade laughing. All right. All right. So let's get in. We're going to talk specifically about the myths. Now, this is a and a so we're going to bring the lights up at the end of our 20 minutes. And we really just want it to be open and raw, and any questions that you have, we're not going to try to dodge. Um, We're going to try to answer them biblically as much as possible. We're going to talk about the myths of sex, love, and dating. You may be a Christian here, and uh, you've known some of this stuff, or you might have some questions, and you're like, I don't know what the answers are. We're going to give you biblical answers. If you are not a Christian here, and you're interested in the Christian ethic... Um, on the perspective of sexuality uh, for uh, Christians and what the biblical perspective is. We're going to give that, and hopefully we'll be able to answer a lot of questions for you today. Some of you will live by some of these things that we promote because uh, you're a Christian, and some of you are just going to be considering it as, a, uh, as, a, as an understanding of what your Christian friends live and uh, how they live. So, let's just jump right into it. We're going to have six myths
2: that's hard to say. I know. I knew I, it was going to be. that why I let you say myths. it. <laughs> six yeah.
1: myths about sex, love, and dating from the Bible. So go ahead and begin with the first one, Heather. What is it?
2: Yeah, I have an introduction now. Oh, no, I just want to say what we're sharing with you really is something that's not just from the Bible. These are truths that we've lived out. So... Um, there's a Psalm that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say that, Find out that what he's teaching is true. So you may still be seeking, that's totally okay, but I want you to know, I think this is very special and dear to my heart. These are things we're going to be passing on to our kids because um, it is a way to an abundant life. God has not just given us salvation in eternity, but he's got good things planned for us here on earth, but it's through his ways.
1: Yeah, it's a really good perspective to open up with. It, look, the things that we're going to share with you today are not because we're a couple people who just want a Christian worldview to be dominated upon everybody's life. Most of the people in this room, we know personally, and especially those who are members of our church, we consider you like friends. And as friends, we want you to understand the best way to live according to the scripture that is so helpful and healthy uh, and, uh, and how God created us. And so if we look at God's creation, and understand that God created not only humans, but God created sexuality, when we understand how God created us, and for what purposes God created us, and even the sexuality He'd created us with, we can really appreciate it and understand it for uh, for for uh, what it is. And we've learned so much about this over the years. Um, we would not be good friends. We would not be good pastors and leaders of yours if we did not share these principles and truths with you.
2: Exactly. I feel like a lot of these are kind of secrets that are hidden in God's Word that people miss out on because the world is screaming at us the opposite things. So I'm talking too much, my intro is too long. So let's get into All it. All right, the very first myth, <laughs> the first myth
1: of sex love and dating.
2: You complete me.
1: You complete me. Oh, it let's sounds
2: good. Let's say it good, together. Can it? we?
1: Let's do it together. You, you complete, complete
2: me. me. Oh, that yeah.
1: Make me <laughs> sick. <laughs> Now, now, what we mean by that is it's very romantic, and maybe it's something you want to put in a, um, a Valentine card one day, if you want to lie. Um, <laughs> but the idea that you complete me, it was made popular in what movie? Does anybody know? Jerry Maguire, way to go. Ancient movie at this point. Uh, Jerry Maguire said, you, uh, I, no, was it him that said it to her, or her that said it to Oh, it's so, it's amazing. So Jerry Maguire looks at his girlfriend and says, you complete me. It, we, we call it myth number one. Absolutely not true. Heather, why is that not true?
2: It's not true because it's not true of a spouse, a person that you're dating, or of even a friendship. Um, sometimes we try to find this satisfaction in our security and our self-worth and joy and everything in another person. And we are called to a person. Each and every one of you is called to a person. And his name is Jesus Christ.
1: Right. Whenever you get this idea that if I just find the one, the one, like every rom-com or every television show has always told you, there's one person out there. And if you just find that one, you suddenly will be complete. And the problem is when you find a one and they're in your life, you still don't feel complete. So you think, let's get rid of them and I'll find another one. And that person will completely, that doesn't work. So there's another one in this, this myth of the one that will complete you. Uh, and isn't that what
2: the story is always wrong. about? It's like, yeah. that's the whole story. When they find the one end,
1: right? The end of the movie. That's the, where it p- ends. the problem is, it, if the movie went on, this is what would take place. They find each other at the end of the movie, they fall in love. And, and now they are complete. The problem is, if the yeah. movie went on, six months later, they would realize they're not complete. Yeah. And then they would come to us for counseling. <laughs> That's how that plays out. So you complete me. Um, The idea that they will satisfy me. What scripture do you have with that?
2: Well, the one I always go to is in Colossians, and it says that we are complete in him, in Jesus Christ, who is the head of all principality and power. Um, It's amazing because, yeah, when I, okay, let me give you this example. I've tried to explain this. This is something that's very hard for me to explain what I've experienced in my walk with God to someone who hasn't been there yet. So I have talked to multiple girls over the years who would come in for counsel because their world has turned upside down because their relationship just ended with some guy. And one girl, I remember she even had been sitting in a relationship series at the church and prayed. She prayed, Lord, if he's not the one I need to be with, I feel like there are some warning signs. Please end it. Guess what God did that week, y'all? He answered and he ended it because he was a bad, bad dude.
1: Be careful what you pray for.
2: Yeah. And so she came in and broken and just ready. And I'm comforting her and loving on her. And my heart breaks for her because I've been there. But trying to express to her, listen, God is the one you're actually seeking sounds so ridiculous. It sounds like something that makes no sense. But I'm saying, I've been there. I have a husband. I'm a married woman, and I married a good one, okay? And he is so, yeah, he's got all the qualities you want. He's mine, but he's got all the qualities you want. I'm
1: the total package.
2: (laughs) But do you know what happened after I married him? I was still insecure. I would still get depressed, still had a battle with depression. Um, No matter how many times he would tell me how beautiful I was or how smart I was or whatever, how much he loved me, I still battled with jealousy and I still felt insecure. And it wasn't until after Scarlett was born that the Lord brought me to this broken place and I had to come to the place where I just came before him every day and began letting not this one, but this one, tell me who I am in his eyes, the one who speaks truth, the one who has everything I need. And when we try to put that weight on any other person, whether it be a boyfriend, a sister, a mother, some mothers do that to their children, we are putting an impossible burden on them and something that they cannot possibly fulfill
1: and they will break under the pressure because mm. they cannot be your god yeah. and that's why relationships break out and break up boyfriend girlfriend husband wife mother daughter father son that person cannot be everything you need them to be so mm. uh, the theologian cs lewis used to say every human was created with a god shaped vacuum mm inside of your soul. And you can try to fill it with money. You can try to fill it with cars. You can try to fill it with success. You can try to fill it with sex. The problem is nothing will fill it except God. Now, you might say, but I don't believe in God. You will, listen to me, I don't want to talk about damning after your life. That's true. If you don't believe in God and you don't feel God, you don't fill that vacuum with God, here's what it is. You're damned for the rest of your life to constantly try to fill it with something else. Yes, damnation eternally, but the damnation of a man or a woman who seeks this world and is never satisfied with anything because it is only God that can satisfy the soul. And so we would say myth number one is...
2: You complete me.
1: You complete me. Say it with us. You You complete complete me. (laughs) wrong. Okay, number two. Number two.
2: This is a fun one. God hates sex.
1: Yeah, myth number two is that God hates sex. That is not true. God loves sex. God created sex. Yeah. Why, wow. <laughs> By the way, all of our announcers earlier, uh, the, everybody that was up here, half of them were pregnant. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess they know some yeah. things, you know. Yeah. But the idea that God hates sex is absolutely not biblical.
2: Um, I've heard it said, you've heard the saying that God made the parts and the devil made them fun. Has anybody ever heard that? Or is that an old person saying?
1: It's a funny It's an saying. old person saying. Old there thing.
2: was no response oh, she, whatsoever. These people have heard that. People stylish. used to say back in the day. God <laughs> made the
1: parts and the devil made them phone. No, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. God not only created the human body, God created the human body for sexual intercourse. And so it's important to understand that God loves sex, he approves sex. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 through 20 says, Let your fountain uh, be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Very graphic. By the way, there's a lot of graphic stuff in the Scripture, let her breast satisfy thee at all times, be thou always enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured with, the, uh, with an immoral woman and embrace the uh, bosom of a seductress? And so, he says, look, don't, don't spend your life going after these other women. Instead, embrace the wife of of the person that you married, the wife of your youth, and enjoy sexual intimacy.
2: Yeah. Um, to follow up with what he said, I didn't just bring a couple of verses. I'm just going to bring a whole book of the Bible. So not that it's a competition, Josh, but if it was, I totally just won. You just won. Um, <laughs> there's a book called Song of Solomon. And um, it's written out actually like a play, an old Hebrew play, and something you've all like, oh, I wanted to see an old Hebrew play. Well, here it is, Song of Solomon. Um, It's written out in that format, and it's very descriptive. And a lot of pastors will say, oh, this is a picture of God and the church and this how much the way he loves God us. God loves
1: the people. He loves. That
2: it's only a- goes so far because that play gets really, really specific with the human interaction and human intercourse between a man and a woman. Um, so the verses he just read. If you were embarrassed by those, Song of Solomon would just make you blush if you just even opened it. So, so
1: if, if God doesn't hate sex, then why
2: is it that Christians are always
1: talking about this or, or careful about sex? Here's why. Because sex is like fire, right? It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. As long as it's kept in, this, in the right context. If you have a fire and you create it in pit, and that pit can bring warmth and light and beauty... But if you take that fire out of that pit, it can be extremely destructive. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that people have is they view sex poorly. They take it out of the pit from which God created it, a marital relationship between a husband and wife, and they bring that into all sorts of other places, and it destroys them totally. This is why you have so many people with so many sexual hook hangups by the time they're getting into their mid-20s or early 30s. Mm-hmm. And so many relationships that you meet of married people who are not having sex. And that's a problem.
2: Yeah. But the flip side of that is true. You know, boundaries are a beautiful thing. You mentioned fire, which is a great one for this example. I always think about water. When water is channeled and got strong boundaries, it is a rushing river. Um, And when it's not, it's just a stinky swamp land. Um, So I think about that all the time. And if you are married, we have married couples in here, and sometimes you've grown up in an environment where you've been told over and over, stay pure, you know, don't do anything, and almost maybe given sex a stigma, but no, it's something that's not just for procreation that God encourages and gives us freely and abundantly to enjoy.
1: Right, if you're married, you should be having lots of sex all the time, and we're yeah. going to talk more about that in our Q and A because somebody weird is going to ask that question.
2: It's not weird.
1: I'm just kidding. Somebody number three. very wise. <laughs> Good point. Myth number three about sex, love, and dating. Here's myth number three: It's just sex. Mm. It's just sex. This one we hear all the time. Look, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's just a physical act between two physical people. And that's where I think the Christian worldview really differs. We believe that sex is a biological imperative, okay? We understand that we have a biological imperative to procreate. Uh, We believe that Creator, God, put that inside of us to do. So we understand there's definitely a biological imperative, an aspect of the physical. But listen. We believe that sex itself is non-animalistic. And, and this is where the Christian worldview of sex is so much more beautiful than the secular worldview, where the secular worldview would say it's a biological imperative because you're an animal and you've got to procreate. And we would say it's not simply biological. It's social interaction between two people who really like each other and love each other. It's spiritual as you connect with one another in a deep way in which in a way you'll connect with no one else. It's spiritual, it's social, it's emotional. There's an emotional connection that takes place. In fact, I've even heard it, even mocked in our modern society that there's an emotional element to sex. No, no, no. I mean, how could somebody be emotional about sex? Because that's the way God created Mm -hmm. it. It's not simply biological. It's emotional. It's social. It's spiritual. It's all of the above. Yeah,
2: it triggers things in your body. Did you know that they've done studies and found out that if you just hug someone, embrace someone for 20 seconds... That you begin to trust them more. The things that the hem- hormones and chemicals that are released in your body begin to say, This is a person I can trust. I can form this with them. So to say it has no effect on us, that it's just, oh, it's just a thing. It's not a big deal. We're fooling ourselves, we're lying to ourselves.
1: I have some notes here, but we'll go back to them in the QA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this as we move on. Here's why the Bible says what, what's important to understand about premarital sex. That is two people having sex before marriage. To be very clear, it's sin. It's Mm -hmm. wrong. And and the reason we say that is not because we don't want you to have fun or have sex. We want you to have fun and sex Mm -hmm. as a married couple. The reason we say that is because the Bible tells us there's a condemnation or a judgment. A better way to say it is a plague, a curse upon people who don't know this. Mm Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. I've had this conversation many, many times with men over the years and you, you with women. I say, you got to be careful. The Bible says the marriage bed is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Yeah. That is God blesses sex. Mm-hmm. The marriage bed. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That's saying ad- ad- adultery is mm-hmm. a husband, a wife, and I'm married, but I'm going to go sleep around. That's adultery. But if you're an unmarried person, it's called whoremongering okay? It's called fornication. And you to go sleep with somebody, even if you're not married, they're not married, it's sin. And the Bible says God will judge it. And so this is why, this is why a lot of our friends don't understand this. This is why we're teaching this. A lot of people that we love, they they don't understand that every time they're involved in that sexual intimacy with somebody that they're not married to, that God is judging them. This is why your relationships (laughs) are not working. Yeah
2: oh, that's a hard truth, but it's good. And it's, it's true. really true, y'all. You've got to do it God's way. And then it's so great when you do. I was thinking about that tonight. We don't have time to talk about till question and answer time. Okay. Number, uh, number four, um, we're just having fun.
1: Okay. So, so far, myths about sex, love, and dating. You complete me. God hates sex. It's just sex. Here's number four. We're just having fun.
2: Yeah, this is more a to do fun. with dating. Right. So it's it, the idea of I can date whoever. I'm just gonna go out and party. I'm gonna go out with this guy, I'm gonna go out with him, 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 him. This it is doesn't not matter as much all who just I about date, sex. what I'm doing.
1: Right. This is not just emotional. about emotional.
2: We're talking more emotional. Who you're giving your Emotionally heart away, to, Especially ladies, my sisters in here. I'm talking to you. Okay. Um, it's it's something you don't want to just give your heart away to every single person and to think that it's not going anywhere. So we say that dating is a means to an end. It is not the end. It's not just the place, the destination. It's the plane to get to the destination. Now,
1: now, listen, fellas, we're going to, I'm going to jump on you right now, okay? Okay. Now, look, some of you have grown up in a society, so maybe it's not your fault you grew up in the society. I'm about to correct you, so listen. Now, look, you're in a society that tells you the end of life is just a date around, Right? I mean, that's where you're going. And once you get to the point where you can date as many people as possible and bed as many people as possible and wed none of them, that's when you have arrived. That is insanity. Dating is not the end. It's a means to an end. It's what you go through to get to where you want to be. The illustration of that is like flying a a, a plane, right? You don't get on a flight to ride an airplane.
2: If you do, we need to talk because that's messed up.
1: (laughs) If you go down to the local airport and you buy a ticket on Southwest Airlines, you don't go and they're like, hey, where are you going? And you say, nowhere. Then why are you at the airport? Because I want to ride in an airplane. You say, I'm going to go to Boston. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to Texas. You're taking a means to an end. And so many men think to themselves, no, I've already arrived. I'm in an airplane. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. What are you talking about? The airplane is going to land, and it's going to, or needs to land, uh, and that is in marriage. Yeah. So uh, what are we talking about? And I know, by the way, some of you already having questions. You're like, but what about what, but what? <laughs> Fantastic. We're going to get to questions in a moment, and I am ready. Honestly, we mm-hmm. joked about weird questions. We're ready for any questions. We can't wait for them to come.
2: Okay. Kay. Number five. Number this five. is for someone who says, you know what? I've messed up in the past. I know what God says about purity and being sexually pure till marriage, but now what's the point? Because I'm just, I'm damaged goods. Yeah. So that's a lie. That's a myth. Myth number five, clear.
1: myth number five, your damaged goods. This became very prevalent um, in in Christian cultures, whether that be in Europe, Great Britain, or even the United States throughout the Puritan era. And that is, if you have messed up in some way, you've had sex, or you've had multiple partners, or you've uh, lived an alternative lifestyle, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, well, I will never be able to have what God has planned for me. I'm damaged goods. Now, look at me. That is a myth. It is a lie. It's something the devil wants you to believe. What the Bible tells us is this. The Bible says, where did I write it down? I wrote <laughs> it somewhere.
3: I've
2: got one, Second okay, go. Corinthians 5.21 yes. says that he hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize that sin, yeah. that your enemy who has an eternal destination that's already been sealed, his fate is over, it's determined. But he's coming after you because you're God's, and he's trying to hang this over your head and tell you that you are worthless, that you were damaged, that nothing will ever change. This is just, what's the point of even trying? You could never have a great marriage. And he's probably even been lying to you while we've been sitting here.
1: It's just all baloney. And your friends up here are telling you it's a lie from the devil. You, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which I didn't turn there, but I'll just quote it. It says, if you are in Christ, you're a new creature.
2: Yeah you've been made righteous by him old things are passed
1: away all things are become new you are a new creation in jesus christ and so God has a perfect plan for you, God has a future for you, and you don't need to allow yourself to stress over this idea of, I'm damaged yeah. goods.
2: He paid for that, in the day he saved your soul, he saved you and forgave every sin you would ever commit. Yes. That's getting into a little bit of theology there, but it's true. God is not on our timeline. He saw every sin that we would ever commit tomorrow, next week, and on, and he said, I choose to forgive it all. I'm taking that upon myself, and I'm giving him or her my righteousness yes. in their account. So to claim and to try to put on that sin again, no, he's been made sin for you. Quit letting your enemy do that. James 2.13, I have to share this. Do it. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Years and years ago, 2012, I I'll never forget, I was studying through James. And I remember for years, this verse has kind of been one that I'm like, Lord, I don't know what completely that means. It means that mercy is great. That God, in his mercy, we deserve judgment. and Yeah, we deserve every time we mess up to have to live with that and be stuck with that. But his mercy wins every time. So don't let your enemy throw that in your face. Oh, Satan makes me mad. She's the okay. best
1: preacher I know, I'm <laughs> telling you. I love it. <laughs>
2: You want to share the last one?
1: Yeah, okay. The last myth, and we went a couple minutes over, so we're going to get to questions and answers. The last myth is this, that virginity is weird, right? And this is something that has been prevalent in our society, I don't know, since since before we were even alive. Even as we were growing up, this idea that if you're a virgin in some way, that that's a strange thing, and that's because our society has become increasingly anti-Christian, or at least some would say all-Christian or without Christ. Now, look, look, virginity... In the Christian worldview, in the Christian perspective, is an honorable thing up until marriage. Perpetual virginity is neither good nor bad. If God never calls you into a marriage, then perpetual virginity is a gift from God to live your life for Him and for other things. But if God calls you into a marriage, then that virginity needs to be forsaken and you need to follow. Therefore, again, like we said, sex is not a bad thing, it's a gift from God. But if you are not married, and you have not had sexual intercourse with somebody, please don't buy into this stupidity of a world that tells you virginity is a bad uh, thing. The Christian worldview is that virginity is a gift that you give to your spouse. Look, to be very blunt, I was a virgin whenever Heather married me. Heather was a virgin when she married me, and that wasn't something that we were ashamed of. Now, look, and this is not to make someone feel guilty or bad. Because
2: it was by God's grace. It was by God's grace.
1: But this is to encourage the person in this room who, who is and to think, it's a beautiful thing to stand at a wedding altar and then to go to a hotel room with your beloved spouse and give yourselves to one another, mm-hmm. having given yourself to no one before. That's a beautiful thing. And some of you might be thinking, man, I, I wish I had that. What you could not have for yourself, you can have for your children. You can teach the next generation this. Yeah. This is what Christians do. And our world is so stupid because they teach the opposite. And by the way, who are the people who teach the opposite? The people who can't stay in a relationship for more than three years. Yeah. And those are the people we believe. Are we kidding ourselves? Yeah. Look, the Bible says that you as Christians are to follow our example as leaders in the church. Not because we're perfect, but because we know what the Bible says and we're doing life in a way that actually works. And if you follow these principles and reject these myths, we're telling you you'll be blessed, you'll see this truth, and you'll be blessed by God. Well, those are the myths. Do you want to say anything else before we go to questions?
2: I just think with the whole, the last point there about virginity is weird, there's a lot of things that are kind of weird in our culture, but they're not bad things. It's very uncommon to have a very young millionaire But I sure wouldn't mind being one of them, That's you know. Okay. <laughs> so I think there's, I think analogy. there's a lot of things that you can say. Wow, that person—they spent their whole life studying music, and now they're this concert pianist, and it's amazing what they have chosen, the path they've chosen to go along. But yet, it might be considered weird, but it's weird awesome. So.
1: And by the way, whenever when we come across individuals who have been extremely, this is this may not be true for you because of God's grace might pull you out. But when you're extremely, overly sexually active in your teenage years and in your 20s, you lose much of that sexuality the rest of your life. When you do it the way the Bible tells you, and you follow God's plan for sexuality, what you'll see is extended sexuality, not for 10, 15 years of your life, but decades throughout your life in a long-term loving relationship that spans into your 70s. This is biblical. This is what we see as true. And if you'll take it, the Christian worldview. Okay. Let's go to Q&A. Cameron, what are we doing now? Q&A. Okay. Let's raise up the uh, (laughs) – Cameron's like, I thought we talked about this. Uh, Let's raise up the lights a little bit, and uh, there's going to be mic runners so that you can – and by the way, we have been – we tried to demonstrate real boldness, and we just were bold in what we talked about, and so it's kind of awkward and weird, right? You know, like, oh, my goodness, we're talking with a pastor. And Uncle Josh and Aunt Heather, and this is weird. And I don't want to say anything. But you have questions, and for the sake of others, go ahead and try to ask those questions, and that'll be helpful. We're just recording this for the Internet to see. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, right up front. Hello. 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 Is it on? It's not on. (laughs) Oh, you just press press the button. button Hold Hold it down. down.
3: There you go. There we go. Nope. My voice is loud enough, but I can use a mic for everybody. All right, Skylar. So first, my uh, also, uh, am I allowed to put input on myth number one?
1: Uh, you can ask a question. You're not allowed to put input. I'm just teasing. Go ahead.
3: Um, so myth number one, I've really found out that people are looking for partners. Like you said, they're not looking for God. What I also see is. This misunderstanding about when you're looking for a partner, you're looking for somebody to help you with your Christian walk and you help them with theirs.
1: Yeah, it's a great point that Skylar brings up. One of the things that you ought to be looking for is not simply a sexual partner, but a life partner. And if you're if your spiritual walk means something to you, you're also looking for somebody that can assist you in your spiritual walk. Um, not only your spiritual walk, but your career path, your life, your dreams. I pray every day for Heather. God, help her to fulfill her dreams in life. So really, you're looking for a partner in so many ways, more than simply, obviously, a sexual partner.
3: And my question is, you brought up fornication, which I'm glad you brought up, because this also leads into my question. What are God's views on pornographic material?
1: Great question. That's so, good. So... Do you want to jump on that or do you want me to? Go ahead and you start. Okay, so pornography is, um, the word pornography actually comes from uh, an ancient Greek word, "pornéo," which which is is found in the Scripture, we translate it "fornication." Fornication, porno, pornography. It's related. So whenever you see the word fornication in Scripture, it's the same or sexual immorality is translated in many of the translations. It literally is saying it, it's a connected to pornography. Now, in the past, pornography historically was you know etchings on a wall, <laughs> paintings, and these kind of things. Pornography has progressed over the years, obviously. And the pornography that we see today obviously is far more extreme than anything. Blunt answer is God is against pornography for several reasons. One reason God is against pornography is because it identifies and takes a human being and reduces them down to a physical object. Look, even if you're not a Christian, you should be against that. Okay, guys, look at me, ladies, look at me. You should be against pornography even if you're not a Christian, because it boils somebody down to a physical object. That's all I see. I see them as a physical object to take my lust out upon. I mean, they're a, they're a human being. And, uh, and, and I think it devalues people quite a bit. The other reason that God would be against it, specifically, is Jesus said, you should not lust after someone. Uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, Jesus says specifically, um, Matthew chapter 6, Uh, I say, it's been said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you lust after a woman that is not your spouse, you've committed adultery already with them in your heart. So uh, to be looking at pornography would be (laughs) to be lusting after someone.
2: So I want to address the aspect of sometimes couples will say, oh, let's use this in our marriage, which is, oh, it's holy, it's undefiled, so let's use this in our marriage. But that's where you are crossing one of those boundaries we talked about. Um, the idea is that you're bringing another person into your marriage relationship, just the same as if you were bringing them in the room with you. Um, this is going to sound weird, but I learned that from my mother-in-law. <laughs> she taught that, and she said everything is good within it. She's been a biblical counselor for years, and she said, as I've counseled marriages over the years, a good rule of thumb is that it is between that husband and wife, and they don't bring another person in physically, through a screen, or through, virtually. A, yeah, through f- a paper, yeah.
1: A, a husband or a wife, and, and that, that's another question that might come up. Is it okay if you both agree to have a third person come in? And the answer is no. That's still adultery. That's wrong. And to bring a third person in physically for a threesome or a third person in virtually through pornography, that is all condemned in Scripture. Married
2: couples, you can bring pornography in a different way. <laughs> I guess it's not pornography then, is it? If you're not bringing in another person, you can take some fun pictures for each other. That's all I'm going to say there. And that is holy and blessed of God. And I don't know how else to say that.
1: All right, enough beatboxing back there.
2: That's not pornography then. What is that called? What do we even call that? They call them boudoir shots and stuff, and that's not even, like, that sounds too nice, like, for the fun stuff. I'm turning red
1: up here. Here's the point. A husband and a wife can have all sorts of fun, and they should. The marriage bed is totally undefiled. Mm-hmm. The problem is taking that fire outside of that pit. Yeah. You're in huge trouble. I just mm-hmm. said the marriage bed is a pit. Fire I don't pit even know how to respond to
2: yeah. that. So, so uh,
1: yeah, pornography, uh, no good. Okay. <laughs> um, by the way, if you're interested, look up, look up the website. It's a secular website. Yeah. If you're interested, it's called uh, Fight the New Drug. These are secularists mm-hmm. who are saying, this is a plague in our society. Is that
2: the same as porn kills love? Yeah, porn same kills group.
1: love, yeah. All right, anybody else? Another question. By the way, thank you for the boldness. I'm yeah. so thankful. It's not easy to be the first yeah. person to ask a question like this. Yes? There
2: you go.
4: So um, what do you say when people say, well, how are you gonna figure out what you like?
1: Oh, good question. Yeah, so if you're not gonna have premarital sex, how are you gonna figure out what you like? The ant- I'll give you a very practical answer. You figure it out. <laughs> The cool thing about being married to one person and in that relationship for your life is that you have decades to learn each other and practice and practice and try new stuff. Yeah. And and it's a beautiful thing. How much more terrible to constantly yeah. be jumping to a new partner, trying to learn new things that please that person. Exhausting.
2: And the fear of trying to learn to be open and comfortable with them. No, oh. there's like an, a comfortability and excitement and just everything. It's all the good stuff. It really is. You, you're you able to learn question. one another. And I'm surprised because it's been 18 years and we're not bored yet. So we keep finding new things. Keep,
1: keep finding new things. Oh, okay. Total well, thank package. you. Oh, total package. Yes. Um, oh,
0: so I've heard
2: some people also say, well, um, and it's obviously a myth, but that if you don't, how do you know, for instance, if you're
4: a girl or you know with a guy that he's for instance going to fit cuz people kind of say well yeah. you know um, cuz i have a coworker i'll say and one of the things that she said is well you know if you get
0: married then and it doesn't fit then then you're what then it doesn't work. It's
1: actually a very good question. It's something that we've come across in Mm -hmm. our own counseling. And the answer, uh, there are a few answers, uh, but first of all, I would say this. When you do something God's way, you're trusting that God is going to take care of you. And at the primary, we begin with a spiritual decision, a spiritual decision that says, in our innocency and in our trust of you, We're going to trust that you are going to work all things together and help us in this. There are also some practical answers, Heather.
2: I would just say there's a lot of other areas besides the sexual thing where we enter a relationship and marriage and we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of trust that goes into other areas, isn't there? I don't know all of his background, that he doesn't have some other person in somewhere. Maybe this is off topic, but I feel like there's a trust in God of, Lord, I'm trusting that you've brought me to this person. I've done my due diligence in dating. Um, I've sought godly counsel and You've given me the desire in my heart for them. So I'm going to marry this person. They're a Christian. They're seeking after you. um, And I'm trusting you with that because, again, they're not the one that's going to complete me. When it comes to the sexual issues, um, this is something that really needs to be talked about quite a bit more. I have some good friends. In fact, it's just funny because it's come up multiple times this year. And um, very often in Christian homes, women, I don't know guys are either, are not talked to by their parents about sex. Very often their parents don't have a clue what to say and no wisdom to give them anyway. There's but, very
1: few people that are unabashedly unashamed about everything, and that's us. We'll just talk about anything.
2: But um, I've talked to several, several women now who are in happy marriages, but that did have some difficulty with sex. But as they found women to talk to, and sometimes it took a little while, those issues were able to be resolved. There are different ways you can do that through surgery, through practice, and minor surgery. I know some of you are freaking out. The reason I hate bringing this up is because that's not something that needs to be a fear in your heart. Because that can be the flip side of this. We've never been talked to or we've been talked to by the wrong people. And we're terrified that sex is going to be miserable and we're not going to enjoy it as women and it's painful. And girls, I'm just here to tell you if your mother didn't, It's wonderful. It can be uncomfortable a little bit at first, but the joy far outweighs that, and then it gets good real fast. Okay, so don't believe what your sisters, cousins, best friends have told you, and allow that to hold you back. We have been utterly shocked
1: by people in their twenties and even into the thirties and forties who have such a misconception about how sexuality Mm -hmm. actually works, and because of the limited experience that they've had, have been a lot of one-night stands Mm -hmm. and very uncomfortable, strange moments. Um, and with I do that being stated, oh,
2: go ahead.
1: With that being stated, sometimes there are actual physical issues. The vast majority of times where there are physical issues, as you stated, where things are not fitting the way they should, most mm-hmm. of those times, most of the ones that we've dealt with in our own counseling, um, end up not being as physical as they do emotional,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and as they do spiritual as they're working together and growing and knowing one another. And in the few cases that we've dealt with, when it comes that there's an actual physical problem, uh, there are doctor solutions, there are solutions with with sexual therapists, as well as MDs that can actually help you with that. Here's
2: what I'll just say, if you do, and here's, I'm gonna throw this out there, okay? We're here tonight, I'm here on Sundays, I'm not nervous or scared about this. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I, can, I have a lot of resources, girls, okay? So if you are a married woman or you're approaching marriage and you have questions, you can come talk to me about that. I do recommend, and I'm gathering this information because I'm a mom. I've got two daughters, and their experience may not be exactly like mine was. So I want to know how to best prepare them without putting any fear. One of the simplest things you can do, okay, is go to a gynecologist, Okay, I know sometimes we don't like to do that as women, but quite frankly, if you have issues, nerve issues or whatever, they're going to be able to spot that and give you some great steps that are practical.
1: Absolutely. Great question. Yes.
4: Um, So, hi. Hi. I have a question about two of them. Hold on, I wrote it down. You stated that one of the myths are damaged goods, that you're not damaged goods when it was like premature sex or whatever the case may be. But then at the very beginning, you did say that if you do have the premature sex, then it's a sin and it's just like you it just it contradicts each other. So I just need a little more clarification. Yes.
1: On that. Yeah, it does contradict each other. You're exactly right. And that's why we call it the gospel. This is where the the good news of Jesus Christ fits into every practical ramification of our lives. The truth is, when you break the laws of God, it breaks you. It's sin. Sin is not a small thing, folks. Look at me. Sin is not a small thing. It's not like, oh, it's no big deal. You're fine. Everything's okay. It breaks you, and it breaks the people around you, and it destroys our world. But... But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, a lot of times what happens is you think, okay, no, I already asked Jesus to save me, so I'm going to be good in heaven one day. And the answer is, no, 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 you're good right now. The moment you received Christ, he redeemed you. You're not going to one day be a new creation. You already are a new creation, my dear sister. Do you understand? So it doesn't contradict itself when you include the grace of Jesus Christ that changes us the moment we're saved. You are a new creature in Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, it doesn't apply to you. And I hate to be that blunt. If you have not received Christ, you are the old man. You are the old person. You are your old self. But when you come to Christ, you are new. Now, you say, well, what if I messed up after I got saved, right? And the answer is he continues to pour out like a waterfall of forgiveness over your soul, recreating you. Now, should we continue in sin because grace is poured out upon us? God forbid. No, you don't continue to sin because God's grace is poured upon you. The more grace you accept from God, the more you want to run from sin and run to him. Does that make sense?
4: Yes, and then that brings me to part two of my question now. So now that you've, like, you've set Jesus as your savior and now you're working on to fix your damaged goods, how, what would be the path or what is it that we can do to help um, not be damaged goods, I guess, or come, become better with it?
1: I would say the first point, and I'd love Heather to speak into this, and that is, if you're thinking about not being damaged goods for someone, focus, number one, on this thought. I'm going to pursue Jesus, not a man. I'm going to pursue Jesus, not a woman. And here's what will happen. When you stop, I had a pastor years ago, a friend of mine, say this. When you stop looking for the right one, stop looking for the right one, just be the right one, and God in his time will send the right one. Does that make sense? And so you're like, man, I just got to change myself. I got, what do I got to do to be just focus on Christ and walk with him? And then if God wants to, in his timing, he'll bring someone that will assist you in your life and you can assist him in his life and together you'll work forward on a journey. Does that make sense? Heather?
2: Yeah, I think it really is. And this is where I, I feel like my words fall so short of the beauty of the gospel is what Josh was saying. It's really not saying, oh, this never happened, or I had a lady once, sweet, sweet friend of mine say, I come to church and we sing these songs and I just can't even lift my head because I know I'm such a hypocrite. She's saved, she's trusted Christ, but I'm such a hypocrite because I messed up all week. And I told her, don't you realize I'm up front And the reason I'm praising and singing and raising my hands is not because I didn't mess up. I'm just like you. I blew it all week long. But instead of saying, you know what? I blew it and all this, I say, oh, I blew it and you were so worthy that you still love me and that there's no mountain. We sing these words, but do we th- mean them? There's no mountain that you, it's too high. There's nothing that's too deep that your overwhelming love won't find me. And I'm messing up all the lyrics to that, but it's so good. But really, it's coming before him over and over. And um, when you do that, I wish I could tell you, here's one verse Just take this one verse and memorize it, and you'll be good. But do you know what it is? It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And where God changes our heart and lets us know who we are, that we have value, that we don't fall easy prey to that good-looking man with the smooth words who comes in to try to draw our hearts away the next time that we know we shouldn't follow after. The reason we can stand against that is because every day we've gone before God and we've said, show me who you are. Show me who I am in your sight. And I'm telling you, I did that. Like I told you, my testimony is it was after Scarlet. I hate that it took that long. But after Scarlet was born, so it would have been about 10 years ago, a decade ago, that it wasn't just overnight, but it was day after day, me searching the scriptures and saying, Lord, I just need you. I'm a broken mess. I'm a failure in every area, God. I'm damaged goods in a different way. I was a virgin, but damaged goods in all these other ways. Satan had his own attack plan in my life. And as I went to him, I'm telling you, this is the truth of the gospel, that every day over and over that I would spend what time I could and I would ask him to speak to my heart. And over and over, finally, it's, it came through and it became belief and it became real. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter where I had failed because it was all about not me, but about him. I don't know if I communicated that well. No, I feel did. like every I time I try beautiful. to explain that it's so stumbling too. It through. takes
1: time and it's not religious duties you yeah. need to perform. It's time and walking with God and down the road you'll be you'll learn these yeah. things. Very I good. would say practical yeah. steps
2: one more thing. Practical steps. You say how do I get on that journey? You find some good sisters in Christ like here who will love you, who will support you, you get in groups that meet, the hillside groups that meet after this. Yeah,
1: look, you're never going to have a Christian worldview on sexuality, dating, mm -hmm. love, marriage, all that, if you spend 166 hours of the week with people who don't think that way. You have to spend more time with Christians as much time with Christians. So when Matt and Madison are contacting you for groups and Cam and Chelsea are contacting you for groups, you're not trying to avoid that. You're, you're leaning into it because you know you have to think in a Christian worldview from now on and not the way the rest of your friends do.
2: And when you get real and vulnerable with them, eventually you'll have girlfriends in those groups. Christian sisters, they'll call you out. I've got my group. I do. I have multiple groups that call me out. I had a friend this week in love, not in an angry way, but who was like, well, Heather, that's not really true, is it? <laughs> it would call me out. And so you need people like that in your life to say, you know what? He sounds awesome, but I know he says he's a Christian, but is his heart really following after God? Or is that just something he says? Because, you know, he a yeah, Christian Yeah, you're going to get that mingle. a
1: lot. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Really? You're a They're Christian? They're all Christians, you By don't, the way, yes, listen to this. Do you hear what you just yeah. said? They're all Christians. The moment they know that you're a Christian and they want to get you in bed, they're a Christian too. They're a deep, oh, they, I've always, I love God. I, you know.
2: And I believe it. They went to church once. Yeah. That's they go every once in a while. That's why, Easter, why you, you date not and you wait.
1: You date and you wait. Yeah. And let them prove that they walk with God. Yeah. Yes.
0: I want to piggyback off of that, and it's not. That's kind of a question, and it's kind of not. Um, so when I was a young girl, my virginity was stolen from me, and I grew up in church and i remember hearing in my youth group this story about a pearl this pearl of great price and this woman gave it away to all these people and it got dented and it got you know busted up and then she gave it to god and he fixed it but it was smaller and it was never the same and i was like fantastic so i didn't have a choice and i'm broken anyway um and then as even as somebody who had a great uh, a, a great system a great um support system uh grew up in a great church with a christian family didn't really even know non-christians for several years i felt like i was broken and there was no point to protect the thing anymore um because you know it that my body was broken once it's
1: once it's broken it's broken so give up and don't walk with don't don't try to live that way and what a terrible thing the church has done in allowing somebody to have that perspective in, in in any way, if you have been hurt or abused or molested or by by God, if by God's grace still surviving even through a rape, hear me, that is not on you in any way. That is, that is on those individuals, and a lot of times, the church will even make someone feel guilty and shame for something that they had no control over. And that's incredibly important. I'm thankful, Hannah, that you brought that out and call that out, and that is not right. Good. Very good. Yes? By the way, Seth, I was watching the game backstage. I was watching online, and whenever you, you were trying to answer what couple it was, Kanye and Kim— and, and you were talking about rap music, and the first thing, as soon as you said rap music, you were like, ah. Oh, that was hilarious. I'm ignorant. But then whenever you said, are they white rappers or black rappers, <laughs> and they said black, and you're like, ah. Oh. I was like, and that M- was M- the M-M's greatest white, right? moment of the night right is, there. Is
2: Eminem
3: white? Yeah. Okay. It's not like Mexican. All right. No, he's
2: red and green. and Yeah. I know. I know it was so bad.
3: I'm not a
0: rapper.
1: No, <laughs> Seth, go ahead.
0: So you mentioned in the last month that um, men who are overly sexual in youth tend to be undersexual
3: uh, later in adulthood. Um, I have many non-believer friends who would pretty heavily disagree with that statement. So um, I am guess where did you get that statement? Um, how did you come about
0: of that opinion? And I guess what kind of evidence or statistics would you back that up with? I
1: don't have any statistics um, or books referenced right now. It's through reading I've seen that and a lot of anecdotal counseling. So what I come across is a lot of couples who are, a, blunt, uh, a, a simple statement would be, the people I come across and pastor, those who should not be having sex are, and those who sh- should be having sex aren't. And I deal with a, a lot of couples who um, were so extremely sexually active when they were young um, in, in ways they shouldn't be. By the time they're in their mid-30s, there's very little sexual activity going on because there's a lot of a lot that needs to be rebuilt. Not because physically things don't work, but because emotionally and spiritually they've been abused and hurt so long that there's no longer openness in regards to sexuality. And um, I think it's one of the traps of the devil, I really do. Uh, so uh, a lot of it would have to go to anecdotal and, um, and several books that I've read that I'm, I'm not prepared to reference at this time. But good question, Seth, good question. And then again, when it comes to sexual activity, um, a lot of it is really, to be blunt, um, subjective. What somebody might consider sexually active once a month, I, I'm hooking up with a new person, and they're like, "Man, that's a lot of sex." I'm with a new person once a month, versus somebody who's who's with the same person every day, 360 days a year. Yes.
0: Oh me. Okay. <laughs> um, so my question, I'm like really shy for it to ask, cause like. It's Good really for you. Touchy. You're doing it. Look yeah. at you. You're, you have um, the heart mic. My beating like 20 miles an hour. But, um, so I also went through what she went through. I was raped when I was younger. But instead of other girls, like, kind of going hiding away from any guy touching her, like, my sensitivity kind of, like, increased kind of thing. So temptation got a little bit harder for me. How would you, or what does the Bible say about, like, you know, that situation? Like, how do you deal with it? and people that go through like masturbating or whatever how do you reference that to the bible like what is as
2: far as the temptation um that's the bible says that there's no temptation that's taken us that we're not able to overcome through his grace um those aren't just empty words so that's something that's a really difficult struggle for you and by the way i am so sorry that you went through that i know god's going to use it for good because he promises um can i ask are you a believer? You have Jesus on your shirt, so I, I thought it was a good bet. So um, anyway, but we know as believers, that's a promise for believers in Romans eight twenty eight that he uses all things for our good, and that's hard to understand until we see him slowly begin to, like, almost strand of pearls, one by one string them together and make them work together. But... So obviously I don't it against or anything. Right. Right, and I would say that there, there, everybody in this room, including the two people up here, have what we call um, habitual sins, strongholds in our life, besetting sins. There's many names where it. it all means the same thing. And there's always something that, wow, she doesn't seem to struggle with that at all, but for me, it's so hard. This is really hard, Lord. Um, and one of the most beautiful things about that is that the Bible says that there's not one thing that we'll face that we can have victory over. When I read that a couple of years ago, it just struck me and I thought, wow, God, you're saying that there's not one time I'll have a wrong desire, something that I'm really um, driven to, that's just, I've got that appetite for that, that you cannot help me overcome. Again, it's, we're trying to limit his grace. Well, God, your grace is good enough to save me. It really is. It's good enough to cover all my sins, but when it comes to this one area, I just can't. That's not the the mantra for the believer. The believer is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, There is a process to overcoming any habitual sin. And when you practice it in one area of your life, it's amazing to see this can work in any area. And you discover that God's grace truly is greater. Um, So I I hope that encourages you, that the fact that everybody struggles with something. So what Satan wants you to think is this is impossible and you're the only one that deals with this. And you're not. Every single one of us is dealing with something that feels impossible because perhaps we've given that ground in our life um, unwittingly sometimes to the enemy and he's been building a stronghold. He's been camped out in that area of our life for years, whether it's in lies that we've been believing or something we've been doing and practicing and giving into. And then when we try to have victory, it's like we took a brick off the top and we wonder why the tower's still there. And it's a practical, step-by-step process, which I don't know that we have time to talk about the whole thing here. Well, we, we did a podcast on it, but... Yeah,
1: yeah, we, yeah we, do a, we do a podcast called The Bible Talks with Josh and Heather, and we did an entire podcast on that. You can go ahead and look it up. It's called um, deal, uh, Overcoming. Overcoming Habitual Sin. And we think that it's important for Christians to understand that. Uh, but good for you, you actually asked the masturbation question. So uh, <laughs> that's not an easy one to go yeah. to. So I'm gonna address it because you're you we were bold enough to ask it. And I'm glad you did. We
2: knew it would come up. It always does. There's,
1: trust me. There's not one person in this room didn't want that question asked.
2: Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah I was surprised it took this long. In okay. Fact, so yeah. let's,
1: let's talk about masturbation. Here we go. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 6 and 7 talk about sexuality um, quite a bit. One of the things it doesn't mention is masturbation. In fact, if you broaden itself out from that passage, uh, masturbation is hard to find in scripture. The reason it's hard to find in scripture is because it's not in the Bible. You say, what? It's not. So um, when you find it, let me know.
4: <laughs>
1: there, there is one story that people try to make about masturbation. It says that this man was having sex with this woman, and he let his seed fall on the ground. Um, and everybody's like, oh, there it is. It's masturbation. That wasn't masturbation. The guy was trying to keep the woman from getting pregnant, because if she got pregnant after they had sex, he would be responsible for the children. It has nothing to do with masturbation. So there's a big question that rises up. Um, And that is, why doesn't the Bible address masturbation? That's a great question. And the answer, I believe, is because there's a biological imperative that takes place in the human body for procreation. So whether or not you're single or married, there's going to be naturally aspects of your body that are going to be sexually active, whether that be in sleep or whether that be awake, that that's there. Now, the problem in our modern society is divorcing masturbation from pornography because the two have been extremely conflated. Let me say that again. The reason masturbation and pornography are so... Uh, the reason masturbation is such a difficult topic for our modern society is because masturbation and pornography have been extremely conflated, brought together. They have not historically always been so. Pornography is very sinful for the reasons we already mentioned. The Bible is very clear on this. You do not lust after a man. You do not lust after a woman to, to desire for something and undress somebody and think of them in a sexual way. All of that is, is sin. But the, Bi- but the Bible does not speak directly against something that feels good on your body as a sexual biological imperative taking place as you move forward in life. One of the things that I would say, I caution in this way, is that it needs to be in um, occasional and not something that you would be addicted to. And you say, where do you find that in the Bible? I don't. As blunt as I can possibly say, all I would say is to be careful and make sure that you understand um, that this is not the ultimate purpose for your sexuality that this is eventually to bring brought to a Relationship with somebody and you'll find obviously you would know this that masturbation is never going to satisfy the sexual urge uh, Not ultimately and that's why God has created us to be with somebody else So first Corinthians 5 or first Corinthians 7 specifically addresses this it says um, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. He's, basically, his answer was, he had a bunch of people like you, Paul did, and he said, you want to know about sex, here's the best thing about sex, stop touching each other. How many of you understand all sex would end if you stopped touching each other, right? <laughs> all right stop, just don't touch each other. But then he says in verse 2, and he's talking about to touch in a sexual way, but he says in verse 2, he says, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let us let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. So, to answer your question is there needs to be understood, I have the power of God to withhold myself from sin. But you say that the sexual desire is still there. The Bible has a very clear answer for you. The answer is get married. Now, don't rush into something and don't marry somebody that you shouldn't marry, but you should get married. This is literally what the Bible says. Let every husband... Uh, Render unto his wife due affection. That's a very nice way of saying, if you're a husband, you need to give her sex. And then it says, likewise also the wife to her husband. That is, give him sex. It says, the wife does not have authority over her own body. Now somebody's, oh, that's sexist. The wife has authority, it's her body. No, no, no. This says the husband has authority over her body. But then it goes the other way too. It says the wife doesn't have, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, it's hers. Basically, it means that I belong to her anytime she wants me. And she belongs to me anytime I want her. And our love relationship is to provide the um, uh, provide the uh, lubricant, uh, uh, so that we're not taking advantage or hurting one another. Does that make sense? So we're loving each other. We're taking care of one another. Oh, it goes on. You never knew the Bible was so saucy, right? Verse four. <laughs> saucy. Saucy scriptures. The wife does not have authority over her own body. Now, the husband, likewise, the husband over the wife. Do not deprive one another except for consent for a time. That is, don't 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 withhold sex from each other. Uh, so if you're married in here, you should be giving sex to each other all the time. Yeah. And come, come again after your time of fasting so that the devil doesn't tempt you. So the answer to the question is, if you want sex, get married. So there it is. Good. Yes.
0: Um, can you...
2: Talk to us a bit about the difference between having sex and making love. Oh, that's really good.
1: That is a great question.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good one. I think it's it involves communication. So when I do premarital counseling, it's a five-week course, and I tell the couple every time we're going to talk about all these different chapters of this book and answer these questions. You're going to learn, but my whole goal is not to. Um, be anything more really than a facilitator. I am here to help you grow in communication because communication is a learned skill. So I believe that's a big part of the sexual relationship. It's a big part of every relationship. I mean, spiritually, we're communicating with one another. Um, Emotionally, we're sharing these words. We're doing all these things. The same should be true with sex. We should be talking with one another about what we like, what we don't like. It should be a very, as a Christian, my goal is not to get what I need. It's to say, okay, how can I make this great for him? And I think maybe that, I've not thought of this question before, Kylie, but maybe that's the underlying root of it is that it's not sex is about, okay, here's what I want. Give it to me. Yeah. So often And the secular making perspective love is saying, I'm expressing to you give. and doing what you want. What and, I want to give versus
1: you. what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, it's a great answer. And
2: the surprise of that is always, and you know this, if you've served in the church or given to others, haven't you ever had just the worst day ever? And then you start looking beyond yourself and helping others, and all of a sudden you feel better and you're really enjoying your day. I would say that's true in the sexual relationship. Yes. So, um, and sex is very different for men and women. We didn't even have time to get in this, but for very much, it's not an animalistic urge. Wives in here, soon to be wives, you hear me. It's not this animalistic urge like what the world tells you. Oh, you know, it's just a, you know animal response. No, your husband wants to have sex with the woman he married, with the woman that he loves, the woman he's going to be raising children with, the woman he shares his life with. That's what he wants. And the same feeling that we get after having deep communication. Think about when you really have a great conversation with that person you love, and you're just like, oh, we're so close. I just, we shared so much. That's exactly the emotions that a man goes through, and maybe I should say with making love versus having sex, with his wife, okay? That's the same feeling. Imagine if you were so starved for communication. I talk to wives who are who are just so hungry for their husbands to talk to them, share with me, tell me what you're feeling, save words for me. But some of the husbands are feeling that same thing because I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Um, And it's giving. Marriage and relationships are about growing to be like Christ and giving to that other person and saying, what can I do for you? I'm tired, but God, give me grace. Help me to make this amazing. Lord." And isn't that cool, by the way? If you are new to your faith or if you are still seeking you you're like they pray to God, help me be sexy, help me to love him, help me to to just make sex tonight amazing. Your pastor's wife Southern Hills Baptist Church people, I pray that. And you should know that and you should pray that too if you're married because God is personal and he cares about this. So, um I think I've gotten way off the question. <laughs>
1: I, but do you want to have? No, add I think it does. There? I think the idea of there is a major difference between um, the two, and I think that's a great point that's brought up. Christian worldview, I would say, is the difference. Yes.
4: Um, so um, my question is, um, how do you know? I guess because when you like somebody, you want them to be just the best, and like once you start talking to them, you think like, oh my God, everything they do is so awesome. But then like you see the little signs, but you're like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Like, how do you know? (laughs) Like, how do you know? Like, I guess you just pray about it to, like, to find out, like, like you guys said, like, nobody completes you. But if you meet somebody and he says that he's Christian, and then you start seeing little things, and you're like, oh, well, maybe he's just, you know, he's a sinner like me, so it's fine. Like, I guess my question is, how do you know?
1: First of all, you need to be a, you, you, not him, you need to be a sold-out Christian to God. You need to give yourself completely to him, which means you need to be living a life that reflects a sold-out Christian. Um, and, and I think when you're doing that, you are going to be, I know what I was. I was a believer in Jesus, but now I'm a sold-out Christian. And then you're going to be able to look at him and say, okay, you may believe in Jesus, but I can tell you're not a sold-out Christian. And the mo- that should be your first break-off. That As soon as you see that is not mm-hmm. a sold-out Christian, that's where you stop. Now, now if you if you... If you trick yourself, and you're like, well, I'm not really a sold-out Christian, so what can I say about them being, then good luck. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you want me to say, right? I'd be like, well, if they don't really walk with Jesus, and I don't really walk with Jesus. Can it still be okay? Uh? Yeah. Probably not. So, you become a sold-out Christian 100%. Then, when you're dating them, you'll know if they're a sold-out Christian yeah. or not. And when you realize, by the way, that's what happened to me. Before I dated Heather, I was dating this one girl. And uh, within... She s-
2: was such a skank, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them.
1: Day. Yeah, just, she, she just said skank. Um, <laughs> and, and there were things that made it very clear to me, this is not a girl that's a sold-out Christian. And I remember it wasn't easy, because I was like, she was not beautiful by any sense she of the image. She dog. was a <laughs> dog.
2: Woof, woof. I'm just kidding. She was cute.
1: And it was not easy, but I remember going up to her and talking with her, and I I had to break it off. I knew it. And that was not easy. And I just basically broke it off quickly because I decided that's not what I want to spend the rest of my life with. You understand? Um, I, I needed something specific. And it was amazing that God provided what I needed and wanted after I was willing to give up that which I did not need and really didn't want.
2: I need a pen up here because I have like three answers for this and they're really good, y'all. No joke. Um, the first one is let's see if I can get them all in my thoughts. Decide before you get in that situation what your deal breakers are. Okay. So before I got in a situation with a guy, I knew. Okay. He. Oh, thank you. It's too late for the pen. I already started talking, Jordan. I can't I'm stopping, uh, no. <laughs> stop and no, stop right now. Thank you. It's for the next one. Okay. Um, so before you get in that situation and your heart is already getting invested in this person that's heading down the wrong way, is start to say, you know what, Lord, I am not going to date someone who's not willing to be in church every Sunday. They don't have that desire. I don't know what your, your standards will be, but you need to discuss this with the Lord. Okay? That is
1: not a crazy demand. If you're not in church every Sunday, we're not dating. You say, well, I'm not in church every Sunday. You should be. I would tell Christians not to date you.
2: Yeah, sold out Christians.
1: Okay, so we're talking about Christians here. Now, if you're not a Christian, that's fine. You date who you want. A lot of what we're saying actually doesn't apply to you anyway. Uh, But you're learning Christian ethic, and you're interested from the outside perspective. We're glad you're here. But look, if you're a Christian, then you should be sold out to God, and then you should be looking for people who are. And so number one, yeah, are you in church every week?
2: Okay. So I would come up with that list and say, Lord, I'm committing this to you because I'm trusting you in this. Listen, Lord, I'm putting a lot of trust that you're going to direct me to the right one. So here are the decisions I've made. And if this person has these things, I'm not going to do this. For example, maybe you grew up in a home where you had a very angry and maybe even abusive parent and you start to see little red flags of anger then make that on your list, girlfriend.
1: Done. Out. Okay.
2: If I see the slightest thing, he's overreacting because the waitress was slow in bringing the coffee. You know what? It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> you know, and get yourself out of there because God is revealing to you in His goodness those issues. I so, don't want
1: to. I, I hate to interrupt, but look, girls, if you would start raising your standards, men would start yeah. being men. Amen. Oh.
2: Oh, my word. And Woo. finished. It just got real in here. <laughs> Look, girls,
1: I love you, but the reality yeah. is so many times you give yourself away far too easily, mm-hmm. and then men are allowed to remain boys. Wow. Yeah. And if they're not going to become men, send them to me. I'll talk to them.
2: Boys have short attention spans, and that goes with the second point. It's you've got to date. That's the, remember how we said dating is a purpose? The whole purpose is that I am going to date until I know this person, Okay. Um, I'm going to date until I find out, okay, he's got some cray-cray up in here, so I'm going to get lost. Or, you know what, he was just making up that stuff. In fact, here's how you'll know. You date and you date and you date, and you're not having sex with him. You're keeping yourself in public places, and by the way, you gotta draw those lines. I told you we were virgins. I'm gonna be very yeah, you, we were virgins you... by God's grace, because when we got together, we did not realize we were naive. We did not realize how much we would want to be together, and we were in places that kept us I'm as much as they could. <laughs> We were in place with very strict rules. So it was by God's grace. We got around a lot of those rules too. But it was by God's grace. Um, I can tell you Pensacola people that later. But anyway, um, it was by God's grace that we were virgins. So set up those standards and choose it. And then wait and date. It's better to wait and know it than to mate and blow it.
1: So here, look, here, here look, look, look. So look. date with them. My dear sisters, my dear sisters, one way you'll know for sure is if you date them for six months and you say no sex until we're married. Yeah.
2: Boys get bored and frustrated like little puppy dogs. And if they're like, go "Go somewhere
1: else. See you later. There's a real man for me somewhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have to settle for an idiot. And by the way, if you're a dude and this is making you mad, I would love to talk with you after because I've got some big guys that can help me, okay? (laughs) Because I can't can't hurt you by myself.
2: Okay, the other thing is watch. I told you there's so much to say here. Watch other people around him. So watch how his sisters, how does he talk about his family? He may seem really great around you. How does he talk about his family? How does he talk about that church he went to? What are the things he says about his his mom? You know, um, listen to that. Listen to the response. What are his friends like? Are they all like just totally walking away from God, but he's got this stellar walk with Jesus, and yet all his best buddies don't? Um, I'm not saying he wouldn't have any non Christian friends, but if he's still got this crowd that they're just really doing their own thing and they don't care what Jesus says and Christians are a joke, then it's probably a good sign to you right there that he's kind of giving you some words to make you feel good.
1: A lot of these answers are basically saying be honest with yourself and then trust good people around you to tell you what's going on. One more thing, last thing, last thing. Go ahead. You got to pray, you got to pray, you
2: got to pray. I mean, Why are we not praying about this? Ask and you shall receive. And I'm for years, I'm telling you, my husband messes up stories about things, little details. He tells the truth, but he switches details. This is what pastors do. And the pastor's wife sits on the front row going, oh, that's not how it happened. So he told a story once that I had some guy's name in stars on my ceiling. It was a J in stars. And I was praying for the one I would meet. And I always like guys with J names, go figure. So I'm like, well, Jesus, he's probably going to have a J. So I put a J up there representing him. It wasn't for Daniel Tidwell. He was a nice guy, but it wasn't for Daniel Tidwell, which is, I think, this how This is online.
1: Was. He's probably Hey, watching.
2: Daniel. Okay. So anyway, I would pray. No, he's serving don't worry. Jesus. No, no, no. He, I don't think he's he's in prison.
0: If He's in If you prison.
2: are looking for a good man, I may know one in D.C. for you. Okay, back to this. I would look at that, and that was my reminder. I did that intentionally. I know it looked like something silly, but I was very serious about this. I would pray for my husband. I'm like, Lord, wherever he is, help him to follow you. Help him to desire you. Help him to pray and read his Bible today. Help him protect him from wicked women, skanks, and I did. That's why he knew when she came along. So, no, I prayed for him all these years. And you know what that what happened? And this is true. This is what happened for me. I was dating. And as I dated, I'd be like, oh, you're a nice guy, but uh, uh-uh, you don't have that, that, the stuff I'm looking for. And I'm not talking about crazy things. But I'm talking about reasonable spiritual things. And the, when I met him, boy, it went fast. I knew he was the one because I had been praying and I had been looking. And I'll never forget, you talk about how do you know? Have him pray. He doesn't have to be the best. He doesn't have to have all the words. But when he prayed, I suddenly realized he did not care what I thought. It's like I wasn't even in the room anymore. He was talking to God, who he knew very well. Have him pray. And even if it's a sweet, innocent new Christian prayer, you'll hear it. hard. I got to stop talking. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. So
1: we're, we got to end. I... Hold
0: on. I got one more. Oh, yes. One more, I
2: already got to prove. So.
0: I have a friend that lives in a different state, can't be here. So hopefully he's watching online. But he called me. We were raised in the same church. Well, we were raised save your virginity and also find a girl that was a virgin, cause that's the only way marriage is right. Well, he found a good Christian girl that isn't a virgin, and he's like, "Bro, I think she's saved and everything like that." Like, but we are raised. If she's not a virgin, how do I love her still? So.
1: Okay. So yeah, some Christians will teach that virgins have to only marry virgins, and then if you're not a virgin, you can have marry some. We don't find some. We don't find that in Scripture, so we don't see that as a scriptural mandate. So I don't know how to say it other than that. There are a lot of Christians that have different perspectives. For us, we're always going back to the Bible and say, okay, where does the Bible teach that? So we don't see that as a scriptural mandate.
2: Yeah, I do think there is a mandate, though, of being wise with your counselors. So sometimes, and I don't know about your friend, but he... Um, he, and I don't know how old he is, too. That, that affects things. But we had made a commitment. We were very young when we met. But we both had the individual commitment that we were going to listen to our parents. And we actually said this. We said, listen, we're loving each other. We're excited. We want to get married. But we both talked about We said, hey, if either of our parents don't agree or, like, you know, we don't think this is right, we would break it off. Now, we would pray that God would change their hearts. But we had made that commitment in our life. Now, I know there are all kinds of circumstances based on age and different things, but I do think it's wise to listen to counsel and authority. And so that might come into play a little bit. I think
1: that's a great place to bring that counsel in is to say, okay, uh, do I have a group of people that I trust around me that can speak into my life honestly? Mm -hmm. And that's why you have pastors and small group leaders and people like uh, Matt Mm and Madison and Cam and Chelsea and these are the type of people that can actually help you. understand Jordan, and uh, th- this, is, this is far too much. Okay, now, um, look, I, you could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a last thought, and then you have a last thought. You want to do that? Because I have something I want to share. Okay. So, the reason this is so important um, is because you may not understand how much you'll be blessed if you do things well and how much you might be taken advantage of if you don't. I, I, I've had more often than not, I've had conversations. I've had many conversations. Uh, one of my jobs as a pastor is to go out with somebody if they're, if they're living together, but they're not married, and they're having sex, and they're just living, but they're like, yeah, we don't care, we don't want to get married. So my job is to make sure that people are living biblically, and I've had that conversation many, many times. I remember going out with one guy, and we were at the Del Taco because I'm cheap. And I went to the Del Taco with him, and I sat him down, and I said, hey, dude, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. He said, I said, you've been coming to church for a while? Yeah. You've been dating this girl for a while? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, now, now, you guys live together, right? He said, yeah. I said, now, you live together, and you love her, right? He said, yeah. And I said, okay, and you guys are having sex, like you're a married couple, right? He said, you said that? Yeah, I'm a pastor. That's the kind of stuff I do. And he said, yeah. And I said, look, I said, here's the thing. I've had this conversation many times. I said, if you love her, you need to marry her and quit just taking advantage of her is what he said to me. He said, pastor, he said, I'd like to, but he said, I respect the institution of marriage too much to marry her. I said, what? He said, pastor, I respect the institution of marriage too much to marry her. I said, what do you mean? He said, if I married her, I would have to stop sleeping with other women. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, excuse me? He said, he said, I said, are you telling me you're sexually active with other people outside of the woman you're living with? He said, Yeah. I said I couldn't believe it. I said, like a lot? He said, a bunch. And and now as a man, I started getting by the way, a man would be upset. I looked at him and I said, are you kidding me? I'm normally pretty cool. I lost my temper. I looked at him, and I said, so you're telling me you won't marry her because if you marry her, you're such a moral man, you're going to start only sleeping with her, but right now she thinks it's exclusive, but you're sleeping around all the time because all you're doing is waiting for somebody better to come along and you have sex with her anytime you want you're waiting for somebody better to come along so you can throw away. Is that what you're doing? He broke his Del Taco in his hand like that. He's a jerk, and he needs to be dumped, but the problem is that woman is so insecure that she's going to keep giving herself to him, hoping that maybe, maybe, maybe you'll, look sweetheart, you are far more valuable than trash like that, okay? So, what you need to do is you need to hold off, but they won't like me, a real man will, that guy can go find the skanks okay so look i know we've used a lot of harsh language here and I, and we love everybody whatever look <laughs> our concern is not for everybody our concern is for the people in this room who have tried to come and hear some truth you are more valuable than that and if this mess if honestly if this as a dude you are more valuable you god has somebody for you you need to you need to you need to live by the christian ethic and you'll find joy
2: that's hard to follow. I'll just say this. I'll say that I know there's a lot of different needs in this room. People carrying hurts, people carrying struggles, and it's hard out there. I know it is. And we've talked very strongly to you because it's truth and because you got to hear it. You got to hear it from somewhere. But I know the rest of the world is telling you all day long totally the opposite of all this. They're telling you lies, like if you keep your virginity, you'll never figure things out, you'll never have a good sex life, or if you lost your virginity, you'll never have a good sex life. It's all this stuff. It's, it's no matter which side of the, the line you're on, your enemy's lying to you. He just is. Okay, so I think instead of telling you a story or closing with that, and by the way, married couples, we haven't addressed you as much as we wanted to, but there's more lies in there, too about what sex is truly meant to be and what God has for you in that. So instead of um, telling you a story, I think I just wanna pray over you. So I'm just right now gonna pray, and are you gonna pray as well? Because you had your closing words. No, you uh, okay, <laughs> all right, I'm just kidding. You could pray again too. But I'm just gonna pray over each and every one of you because we love This is our heart, we love we're you. praying
1: over you, we love you.
2: Yeah, and we're gonna ask God to take truth tonight and to help you to go forth And to really live a joyful life and to find freedom and to find victory in these areas. Because you can, and I'm telling you, I laid there, I know I said I was going to pray. I laid there with my husband on the bed. My daughter was there. We were scratching her back. And we were just, I thought, Lord, you just, you have all the answers. And whether we're single and we find our joy in you and understand, we didn't even get to talk about singleness and how valuable it is in the eyes of God for that season of life. But I thought, Lord, you have all these answers and so many people are missing it. They don't get this, this joy in the home. It's what they want, but the enemy is lying to them. So I want to pray for you because I really believe there's hearts in here that say, God, I do want that, God, but you've got to help me. So let's pray for him to help us, all right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over our friends right now, God. Each and every individual in here is so precious, In your eyes, God. My sisters in here, they are just darling to you. And my brothers, Lord, you you just adore every part of them. You value them. And the world has beaten them down and has lied to them and has told them that they are broken or that there's no hope, that things will never change, God. And we know that's not truth from you, Lord. We know that you are the God who brings a new thing in our life, that you're a God who is true to his word, who has life more abundant for us, Lord, that you have the path to joy and peace and you want to lead us down that. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be stubborn. God, it's been sometimes years that we have been walking this other way, that we've been believing this untruth, that we've had this stronghold built up in our lives. But God, I just pray that you would bind the enemy, Lord, that you would reach down, you would comfort hearts, that you would speak truth to every individual in here, Lord, to every single person, that they would turn to you to be complete, that they would turn to you for direction in relationships, God, and that you would guide and direct them. We know that you will, Lord. Help us to overcome that. For the married couples in the room, Lord, I pray they'd have honest discussion about things tonight. Lord, that they'd share openly things they struggle with, things they desire, Lord and how they want to be stronger together for you, Lord. I pray that in the small groups we'd be real with one another, that we wouldn't allow fear to handicap us. I thank thank you for the boldness you've given us tonight in this communication. I pray that you would help us to be bold in sharing what we're dealing with. Help us to be loving as we hear in that. Help us to pray for one another, God. Help us to stand together with one another for you, Lord. I thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that your mercy triumphs over what we deserve lord that we are not victims but victors in you and last god i pray for anyone in here who doesn't know you lord if they are just starting to kind of understand that you love them lord i pray you'd show them that you are the way to heaven in eternity that you're the way to life i pray that they would talk to someone even tonight and just ask those questions god that they would hear from you Lord, how much you love them and what you've done for them. Lord, I pray they'd be saved. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. We praise your great name because you're worthy. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this month's Hillside Talk. The Hillside is a young adult community in Las Vegas, Nevada that meets the last Monday of every month. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the upcoming events. We hope to see you at our next gathering.